0: From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with Terry Sanders, publisher of the Omaha Star.
1: While Mrs. Brown was not a pushover because she sold advertising like nobody's business, by the same token, she led the boycott of Reed's Ice Cream when they would not hire African-American drivers for their trucks, and she also was instrumental before Rosa Parks ever got unseated on the bus. In Omaha, they were picketing. And so what they did was they paid their fare in pennies. So she was part of some things that made changes. She was a maverick. I don't see myself as a maverick, but I'm sure that some things have changed because of the Omaha Star.
0: We talk about Sanders' journalistic philosophy, the legacy of the star, and her vision for its future. Stay tuned for the conversation after this break. Riverside Chats is sponsored by listeners like you. Pitch in to keep this podcast going strong, bringing you the unique perspectives, personalities, and topics you love. Click the listener support link in the podcast notes for this episode to learn more. Welcome to Riverside Chats, I'm Tom Noblock. Today I'm talking with Terry Sanders, publisher of the Omaha Star, which was founded in 1938 by Mildred Brown and remains the only black print newspaper in Nebraska. Sanders took over in 2020 and is guiding the institution into the digital age as she adapts to new models of journalism today. Here's our conversation. Well, so, Terry, it's exciting to have you on the show, uh, both to talk about you as a person and the Omaha Star as kind of this institution, this local institution. Okay. Um, I awesome. want to start just with that as an idea, because I, I think we're increasingly, especially for young people, losing this understanding of what it means like what it meant to be a journalist and what it meant to be part of a newspaper in the 20th century Uh, yes like now it just doesn't mean as much in this very saturated busy noisy world but I mean there was a time when journalists were kind of rock stars in a way Uh,
1: journalists were rock stars I hope I'm still a rock star
0: (laughs) yeah I think Um, you are I I want people to know that
1: I am from Omaha so I grew up knowing Mrs. Mildred Brown, who is the founder of the Omaha Star newspaper. She founded this paper on July the 9th, 1938, along with her husband. Her husband went into other sales, and she was left to run the paper. And this paper has never missed an issue since 1938. That is 84 years. And Mrs. Brown, as you said, was a rock star. Um, she was a ladies lady, you know, she wore a hat, she always wore a three flower white carnation corsage, wherever she went. And she was everywhere. Um, The pictures in the paper, a lot of them were her at events, her at teas, you know, when teas were popular, we don't do teas anymore. (laughs) Um, And so when the opportunity arose for me to become the publisher here at the omaha star i was excited and i'm still excited two years later after the pandemic through COVID, through omicron i am still excited and when you talk about uh, being a journalist what i have noticed is we are a community newspaper and we tell the good news about people So if your son or daughter gets a scholarship to Howard University, that's in the paper. Uh, We're not looking for bank robberies. We're not looking for stolen puppies. We are, again, the good news. And so that makes a difference. And I can proudly say that when I took over uh, publishing of the paper, our subscriptions had kind of waned. And the way I got here, I am on the Mildred D. Brown Memorial Study Center board. That organization was started to promote the profession of journalism to students, to let them know all of the things that you can do as a journalist. And I am also the executive director of the study center. So I carry a dual role. But to me, the roles go together. And when I took over in February of 2020, the pandemic dropped on us in March. And so I came to work every day and the papers still went out. And so I talked to students about journalism and uh, encouraged them. And I share a lot of our papers with classrooms so that young people understand i'm going to digress a little bit i talked about the circulation of the paper when i took over today uh i was talking to a person in pr and told him what our circulation numbers are and it is like a 1200 percent increase and she said would you invest in something that had that kind of increase i said in a heartbeat and so while People have you to believe that people don't read newspapers? Yeah, they do. Now I have to admit, we have a digital paper as well as a physical paper that is printed. And our digital subscriptions are very high, but so are our printed subscriptions. And it is said that a a printed newspaper is, is read over six times. So that helps to increase our readership. But I think that journalists are still rock stars. And I am a 1978 graduate of Creighton University. And that seems like a hundred years ago to me now. And I remember as a journalism student at Creighton, when we did marketing, we bought a big pad of paper and some fancy markers and we turned our uh initials into a logo and journalism has come a long long way since then uh the internet was not popular when i was in school and so i've had to learn this stuff on the fly and and learn it i did and i'm very proud about that i call myself the oldest millennium <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, so when when you're young and you're thinking about uh, becoming a journalist, you're thinking about studying it in school at Creighton, well, I mean, who, who were some of the journalists you were looking at and thinking that, I want to be like that? Was was there like a model?
1: Well, I was a PR, PR student. I was not a writing student. I liked to write, but that wasn't my focus. And so being PR... Um, My brother was a PR student, and he's considerably older than I am, But, and he was an English major. Uh, When I looked at PR, at the time, the Public Relations Society of America started a student chapter on our campus, and that was just like over the moon for me, and I happened to be the inaugural president. So who did I look at as journalists? Of course, you always look at Barbara Walters because she's the ultimate journalist. And back in that day, there were not a lot of African-American female journalists. And my mind is good, but it's not that good. And I can't remember who I must have seen to say that I wanted to be that. Now, I have to say that when I graduated, being from Omaha and having gone to Creighton, I wanted to get away. So I wanted to live in the South. And that's what I told all the recruiters. And I got my wish and I lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I was not in journalism, I was in insurance. I was an insurance underwriter. But I always uh, steered myself to be able to do marketing and to be able to do PR for other organizations I was a member of, or just kind of on my own freelancing. And that has come in very, very handy. But now that I am here, I wouldn't do another thing. And I talk enthusiastically about it. I encourage them and I tell them, if you write for the paper, I'll be sure to give you a byline because that, that carries weight when you go to school or when you're trying to get into college or when you're trying to write for another paper. So I kind of put the carrot before the horse and lead them down that trail.
0: What was it about public relations? What drew you to that originally?
1: You know, the public relations person is always out there. They're meeting people. I shouldn't say this. They're at all the parties and they have all the fun. Um, you handle crisis and and that's exciting. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Judy Smith. Judy Smith is the real life Olivia Pope. That's who they took that character from, was her life. And so you see things like that and you're like, wow. Um, I never considered myself an advertising person because that meant you were selling. And I thought I couldn't sell sand to the man in the desert. So no, I wasn't interested in that part, but I did enjoy PR because it combines writing, it combines the tenets of journalism, it combines marketing, it encompasses everything. And I have found, because I have those PR chops, that has helped me in what I'm doing now.
0: Well, so it seems like to be drawn to that, especially the moment where you talk about Uh, you know, having to navigate a lot of crises, crisis management. It also means that you've got sort of a confidence and a belief in yourself that you're going to be able to put out the fires and to keep everybody in a workable mood and to, you know, keep morale high enough that, you know, there's just those elements of, PR that I imagine aren't natural for a lot of people. So, I mean, when you're growing up, was it something about your family? Was it like, were you the the person who would mediate the family members who maybe were having issues and that sort of gave you the skills and confidence to be able to apply that in a professional way?
1: Um, no, not really, because the brother that I have is 16 years older than I am. So no mediating there. <laughs> um, my parents own their own business They owned a beauty supply. And so I tell everybody when I was in the second grade, I was selling beauty supplies in a store and not watching cartoons. But being a a quasi only child, I got involved in a lot of things and got to know a lot of people. And I'm a people person. And so, yes, I did get to mediate some things. I always found myself in the center of what was going on. And I liked it. That's a short answer for a long
0: question. (laughs) So you've always been kind of entrepreneurial then since you were in second grade?
1: I've been entrepreneurial. So I'm going to digress again. Go for it. Uh, When my children were born, I was working and I had three children. Not all at once, but yeah, kind of, sort of. And so I thought, oh, I can't get three people ready plus myself to go to a job. So I was a seamstress and I became a certified balloon artist. Yes, there is paperwork that goes with that. And um, I used to do the arch that went over the street for Race for the Cure. And I drove all the way to Kansas City to get my certification. And driving back, I thought, wow, now what? But the now what is that I have paperwork behind my name so I can say Terry D. Sanders, comma CBA. Um, and it just kind of evolved. I've been a personal chef. I was a seamstress. I'm a balloon artist. I will never go hungry. But I have brought all that into what I do. Here at the Omaha Star, while we publish a newspaper, we also have a print shop that I developed last August. And that means that you can come here and get copies and get printing done. And there was no place to print in North Omaha between 16th and Cummings and 72nd and Ames. That's a wide area that's not being served. And so we are here to fill that gap. So I have taken the Omaha Start into another realm We also do T-shirts, and we do creative things as well. So, yes, the entrepreneur still lives.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Terry Sanders, publisher of Nebraska's only black newspaper, the Omaha Star. Join the conversation on social media or call in with whatever issue is on your mind this week in a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. Well, and the, the fact that you've been able to channel that in a lot of different directions, is, is part of the appeal to have that challenge of figuring out something that you haven't done before and maybe you don't know how to do initially?
1: Yes, that challenge that challenge meets me every morning. I'm always figuring out another way, always looking for a better mousetrap, always looking for the next thing. Um, and I pride myself on that. I I enjoy that. That gives me spirit. I enjoy a challenge. uh, Putting out a newspaper every two weeks. We don't have a lot of staff. So it is incumbent upon me to find a family of the week for the newspaper. It is incumbent upon me to have an inviting front page because if it's not inviting, no one will buy it, nor will they subscribe to it. So that drives me. Uh, That in-between week, I work on some other things, but like this is paper week, so this is it. And by Wednesday, I need to have it all done. Uh, When I started, I started a section called the publisher's pen, which is strictly my opinion. There is nothing scientific about it, but I have to have something to say. And I've had people say, you know, I look forward to the publisher's pen. I'm like, really? I try to keep it engaging. And I try to talk about what is current, but that is still a challenge. I have to write it down, and that's anywhere from 400 to 600 words. And you'd be surprised how fast those words flow.
0: Yeah, well, and also you, you're working within the confines of this good news uh, philosophy, right, of of the yes. Omaha Star, which I imagine it's easier to write an, an editorial when you can just rant about negative things and really channel that energy. Sometimes there you go. It's easier to get there faster.
1: <laughs> Ever since I started uh, the publisher's pen, there has been COVID. So I always start out with, you know what, it is still here. But in spite of that, blah, 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 blah. And so um, i still don't talk about the negative things. Um, I'm gonna do a shameless promo. I have a daughter that was in politics. Well, I guess she still is. Uh, She was the youngest national press secretary for a presidential candidate when she was 25. And she worked for Bernie Sanders and she stopped that and she went with CNN and she was a a political commentator. Then she got back on the campaign trail and she was the uh, senior advisor to candidate Biden when he was running. And then when he won, she was the spokesperson for the vice president of the United States. And she was a business major at Creighton. And she said to me, why didn't you tell me I should have gone into PR? I said, oh, heaven forbid that I tell you what to do with your life because you'll never blame me. That just that mm -mm, that didn't go over with me. And so now she has left the White House. She works for MSNBC and this spring she will have her own show and her name is Simone Sanders.
0: Yes, we. Uh, my producer and I were just talking about how exciting that is. We didn't realize the familial relation until we were doing some prep for this episode, and uh, okay. that's got to be so exciting to have. Uh, you know, you you've got your element of journalism that you're bringing, and she's carrying that forward, and it becomes this own legacy, right? That you're that you're able to sort of foster, and she's bringing to new heights.
1: Yes, that is true. That is true.
0: Well, and I mean, so to to we'll, we'll, to bring it back to the original legacy of the Omaha Star, I am curious. Before it becomes yours, before it becomes something that gets handed off, when Mildred Brown wanted to make something new, I mean, do you know how she came to this idea of the philosophy of good news? I mean, what what it was that made her feel like that needed to be the differentiating factor?
1: There were several other papers uh, in existence when she started and no one else had good news. They had the, you know, the usual news. The house is on fire the cat's up the tree, the dog bit the postman. And so she focused on the good news and she focused on society news. We have um, an archive that goes almost back to 1938 and we've had that archive digitized. And sometimes I just look through there to see, okay, well, what, what was she doing? And it was the weddings. It was the society news. She had young people that had a column, the junior star. Um, And so the good news sells. And the way she distributed the paper was she had paper, I'm going to say boys and girls, that sold her paper door to door and sold it on the street. The paper cost a dime. And they would sell their papers and come back and get more. Well, she split that winning, that, those subscription costs. So if the paper cost a dime, you got a nickel. And then if you sold the most papers, you might get a bite. I mean, she was really, she was helping young people. She was promoting the good news. And the Omaha star was in everybody's face.
0: Was she somebody who was influential on you uh, in your time growing up?
1: I would say yes, because everyone knew Mrs. Brown um, I would always see her. She passed away in 1989, so that was well after I had graduated from school, so I knew about Mrs. Brown, and Mrs. Brown was that fancy person, and what a lot of people don't know is that the Omaha Star, she purchased this building in 1942, and She was um, a force to be reckoned with because she also had an apartment that was at the back of the building. So she lived where she worked, the original live workspace. Imagine that. (laughs) And right now my office is in her living room and her furniture is here just like she left it. She has gold wallpaper like I've never seen before. She has gold draperies that had cornice boards, if you know what that is. And there is there are two walls that are mirrored, and it looks really posh and very large. There is a velvet painting on the wall that looks like Italy and it has street lights that light up when you turn on the switch. and this is and gold uh, furniture. I don't know that it's French provincial, but it's awfully darn close and a nice chaise and a A dining room table and a buffet with red carpet. Imagine that. And so I get to channel Mrs. Brown every day.
0: How much pressure is that for you? Is that something you think about every day?
1: It is. Because especially during the pandemic, while this was new to me, I also have the pressure on me of this paper has never missed a publication in 84 years. Who am I to miss it? I am the fifth publisher. Uh, The second publisher was her niece, Dr. Margarita Washington. She moved here from Kansas City to pick up the paper when her aunt died. Didn't miss a publication. She became ill. Uh, Mrs. Phyllis Hicks, who had worked here, she picked up the paper and took it to where it was going. Never missed a publication. Then after Phyllis uh, was... Miss Frankie and Miss Frankie picked it up from Phyllis and never missed a publication so the pressure is on because if there is a Friday that this paper doesn't come out and it should how would that smear my name and you know what if you lose your name you've lost everything
0: well in the the specific people who've been running it it sounds like they've all had a you know a fairly there's been a through line right of the philosophies that have taken it from Mildred uh, Mildred Brown to you and I wonder I mean how how do you how was was it cultivated where people wanted to keep that up have there been people who've wanted to sort of revamp it or change it over the over
1: the years I believe so um the newspaper is owned by the study center that i referred to earlier the study center purchased the paper in 2019 and before we purchased the paper there were several people that talked about it and me being on the board and the board having to approve it i was pretty staunch about saying no you know what will those people keep up the legacy of mrs brown And this building has been here, like I said, since 1942, with that neon sign up front that says the Omaha Star. And so that means something. It means something in the community. We have subscribers that are from 100 years old to 22. That's quite a swath of ages and generations for someone to know about the Omaha Star. So, yes.
0: Well, it's probably not something you imagined that you would take over, right? With your your life's journey wasn't necessarily always uh, obviously leading here. So, when when, no. you, when you got the chance to potentially do it, was there was there trepidation, or was it an easy decision?
1: Well, the way that I came about being the publisher, I started out as an interim publisher, and for ten months, I worked another job and. Published the paper. So I wasn't here every day, but I saw that it got out and I saw it had appropriate stories. And maybe a couple years before that, I watched from across the street. I used to work for Omaha Economic Development Corporation. And I used to laughingly say, you know what, one day I'm going to publish that paper. But that wasn't really, I didn't know what path I would need to take to do that. And when it was kind of um, put on my plate and I was told, well, you know, it only takes 10 hours a week to work with the paper. So you should be able to handle it. That was, I call it a lie from the pit. <laughs> it took a lot more than that. And, but I, I, I got in it with both feet and I used to say to my husband, he is now deceased, but we were married 37 years. And I said, you know, people who have wild success, don't have families. And he used to always say, so are you getting rid of us to get wild success? And I said, no, I'm going to keep you. I said, I've had you all this long. I'm going to keep you. But we had three children. They are all adults now. And uh, this is my time to shine. So it's like, hey, I'm going to give it all I got. And I always say that I plan to live my life in such a way that I burn the candle at both ends and straight up to the middle so there is no wax left.
0: I'm talking with Terry Sanders, publisher of Nebraska's only black newspaper, The Omaha Star. Let us know what you think. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break.
2: This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club. I'm Charity Nebbe. Book clubs are fun for a lot of reasons. They're an excuse to read something new, something you might not have picked up on your own. They are a great opportunity to visit with friends, but what if you could invite the smartest, most insightful people you can think of to have a candid conversation about a great book? That's what I get to do on the Talk of Iowa Book Club, and you're invited.
1: He really was able to convey the message in a way that gets to your heartstrings. We can really see that he is a scientist, but he's also a person who loves what he is studying. He's a scholar and a humanist, and and I think that's his greatest achievement.
0: And then it's like punch, punch, oh my gosh, what? So you have this like visceral, emotional connection to the poem, and it's because of the way he's linguistically playing with language, Let's
2: talk about sex, because, of course, in the original book, um...
1: Sex- and I have always longed for someone to say that to both of us on the radio. <laughs> A dream come true. Yeah, All right. thank you. All right.
2: The Talk of Iowa Book Club podcast, coming soon from Iowa Public Radio. It's time to start reading.
0: And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and I've been doing this show for a while now. Check out the backlog of Riverside Chats wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite app is. And please leave us a review. I'm talking today with Terry Sanders, publisher of Nebraska's only black newspaper, the Omaha Star. Here's the rest of our conversation. Well, it's interesting, too, that you went from when you were younger wanting to get out of Omaha to not only coming back, but to becoming such a part of a historical Omaha institution like the Omaha Star. So I'm I'm curious, why was it that you wanted to leave and what was it that brought you back?
1: Well, I wanted to leave because I had been here all my life and I used to travel and visit and my mother saw to that. But I thought there were not a lot of opportunities in 1978 that I knew about, um, for jobs. So I thought, okay, I'm going to interview and I want to live in the South. And I ended up um, as an insurance underwriter in New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, you only insurance underwrite during the day hours. Imagine being in New Orleans. That was like real fun. And so I loved it. Um, But after I got married and my husband was in the military and I had met him here, and then we both went other, other directions and came back together. And my son, who is the oldest of my children, I thought wherever he li- wherever we live when he is five years old, that's where we're going to stay. Because you used to see p- families that, oh, they traveled. But the little kids just got jostled around and they, they never had the same friends. I grew up with people. I mean, I still have friends that I had when I was in kindergarten and preschool. And you don't get that opportunity if you do a lot of moving because your parents are global. So the year that he turned five and it was time for him to go to school, I said to my husband, I want to go back to Omaha. And we did. And it was not a bad decision.
0: I imagine sometimes it's got to be difficult to find the good news in Omaha, right? It's, it's occasionally frustrating to live here, right?
1: No. I think I always look at the glasses half full. It's never half empty for me. That's personal. So uh, I'm involved in organizations. Um, and there is always something. People are, because of the pandemic people have been very creative. A lot of people have written books. People have started businesses. Um, People are writing more. There are a lot of columnists in our paper. So we have someone that writes a finance column. We have someone that writes about health. We have a couple of religious writers. And so now sometimes I have to scrape it up. You're right. But it's not too tough because by the time I get to Wednesday, I've got more than enough to fill our pages.
0: Well, and I mean it's interesting as a philosophy and the fact that you find that good news does sell because nobody else is even really trying that. Uh, no,
1: they're not. And I hope they it, don't start. <laughs> well not looking for competition.
0: Yeah, why 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 is that? Why don't you think other people try to sell on the positive?
1: Because you know what, uh, tragedy, mayhem and fires always sell. That's, that's just it. We don't look at the news to see who, who did something great today. We're looking to see who died, where was the fire, who got shot, what bank was robbed. That's what we're looking for. Because we have been so sensationalized um as of late i mean we are still talking about january the 6th a whole year plus later really but that sells and so people are talking about it and they keep talking about it and maybe what i'm talking about you're not talking about it a year later but it is a point of conversation
0: Well, I mean, do you think that we're conditioned to just expect the news to be negative or is there something about it that we just I mean, are we wired to want to look at the ugly, the bad, the scary in a way that we're not about the positive?
1: I think that we have been conditioned. It's kind of like, is it Pavlov's dog? Mm -hmm. You know, he knows what to do to make that bell ring to get that treat. Right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so the media knows what buttons to push to get viewers. And when you talk about newspapers and community newspapers, I read quite a bit about papers that have been taken over by bigger entities and they lay off people in the newsroom and then that paper turns into something else. And I never want to see that happen to the Omaha Star. Now I realize I do not want to go out of here feet first. Let me start off by saying that. But I believe you are not a success unless you have a successor. And someone said, well, are you trying to retire? No, but I want to hand this off to someone. I don't want someone to come in here and look around. Well, shoot, I got two weeks. What am I going to do? So we have a junior journalism program through the study center. And through that, I try to cultivate... um, writers and cultivate a love for journalism and journalism is more than just writing it's more than tv it's more than radio journalism is a whole thing unto itself it's podcasting it is blogging Uh, it is social media so there are a lot of ways for people to go so i still believe that you are not a success unless someone follows in behind you to pick up what you what you were doing And take it to the next level.
0: Well, it sounds like that's part of your philosophy then for the Omaha Star is to figure out what does a 21st century model look like? Because, you know, I know there's the website, but also newspapers. While there is certainly an appetite for it, it's one form of a lot of different types of media, of news, of a way to just talk to people and connect to your community. So what are some of the ways that you see the Omaha Star evolving in the future?
1: Um, I do something I call Omaha Star 3.0 on social media and i do a lot of facebook lives um i would like to see the omaha start be the go-to when people are looking for information about our community i remember when north 24th street was abuzz with businesses and you could get anything you needed on this street You could go clothing shopping. You could do shoe shopping. You could find a tailor. You could go to the um, dry cleaners. You could get your hair done. If you were a female, you could go to the barbershop. There was even a pool hall. There was entertainment. You don't have all that now. But with the Omaha Star, we have what we call the business connection. And my goal is to make that a full page of businesses. And I'm probably about six businesses away from making it a full page. And it was a little over a half page when I started. So that's pretty good. But I want us to be the go-to. Did you read in the star what so-and-so? Did you read in the star? I put in people's promotions. Um, just recently, there was a class of firefighters that graduated. The most African-Americans in a firefighting class ever. And so to me, that's front page news. When you look at um, the African-American population in Omaha is about 12% and there are 700 firefighters and there's only 40 African-American firefighters. How can that be? But makes you go, hmm, gives you something to think about. So as I go forward in the Omaha Star, I want people to go, hmm, and I want to make people think I want to stimulate um, entrepreneurship. I want to stimulate young people. I mean, I've got a lot of, a lot of to-do's on my plate right now.
0: <laughs> well, so the, the balance of trying to be thought-provoking, of pointing out something that maybe seems like a problem, there, there's a tricky tone that you have to figure out to keep it both good news but also to be constructively critical, right? So, I mean, how, how do you walk yes. online?
1: So how do I walk that line? Um, in talking to me, if you haven't figured out, I am like an old soul. So I say the things that people's grandmother used to say. And my children always said, where do you get that stuff from? And I said, you know what? It's good common sense. I'm not real flowery, I'm real basic. And I say the basic things to bring out the basic thoughts. and." it causes further conversation and that's what i enjoy so i guess it is really me at my core doing what i do and being me
0: there's a there seems to be a push right now in the way that omaha sees its cultural relations to some of these big institutions of journalism like the omaha world herald the, the at one point seemed to be such an integral part of the way people communicated and talked to each other. And my sense is that it's a little bit less of that now. And there are some other options popping up, like uh, the Flatwater Free Press is brand new. There's a couple other ones like that. But, I mean, do you see Omaha's relationship with local news, local journalism shifting? Is it different than it was, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago?
1: Oh, I think it is different than it was 20, 30 years ago. One of the things... um, You know, you have social media and if there is nothing more immediate than that. And by us publishing every two weeks, somebody said to me once, well, you know, the Omaha Star is really Omaha history. Uh, I beg to differ because we pull some things out and I look at social media and sometimes I get ideas from social media. I look at Facebook. I look at Instagram. I am active on those platforms. I've not learned about TikTok how to be a part of that, but I do look at it. Uh, I'm active on LinkedIn. And so, again, the glass is half full, not half empty. It's how you look at it.
0: Well, and what do you see? I mean, you, so you see basically engagement has maybe not dwindled. It's just shifting of where people look and then how to actually grab eyes on that.
1: Yes, it's how to grab eyes. And it is It is knowing who your audience is and what eyes are you trying to grab. Um, When I talk about family of the week, sometimes I don't have a traditional family. There was a young man that proposed to a young lady and there were rose petals everywhere. And, you know, the lights like um, that said, she said yes. And that was my family of the week that week. And that endeared some people to them. Um, There are organizations that do good. The uh, Omega Psi Phi fraternity on Christmas Eve went to the Walmart on 50th and Ames. And people that were in line, they did what they call the purple swipe. And they paid for whatever was in that person's cart. They paid for about $1,500 in merchandise for people at Christmas. You know what that means to somebody? And now you couldn't get out of line and go do more shopping, but they took care of what you had, and those people were very, very excited. So when they told me they were doing the purple swipe, I went to take pictures of the organization doing the purple swipe. That's good news, Yeah. but who would have known about that had we not covered it?
0: So you I mean, you really have to be involved in a way that maybe you don't uh, with the reliance on negative news, because the, the people will always be bringing the negative news to you, whereas maybe you have to dig a little deeper to find all the positive and really yes, get, get you that. Have
1: to dig a little deeper. And I have people calling me, well, you know, we're doing this, this and such and such. Could you come and take pictures? And I say, sure. And I encourage anyone that submits an article to submit an article with a photo, because people will read what they can see. If it is a conglomeration of letters and words, they're not as interested. I had a lady once, um, she told me that her 12-year-old daughter had written a book. And that book was on Amazon. And I put her on the front page. And that young lady was so thrilled, 12 years old. Do you think she'll always remember that? I bet she will. And she was not in the Omaha World Herald for that.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Terry Sanders, publisher of Nebraska's only black newspaper, the Omaha Star. Join the conversation on social media or call in with whatever issue is on your mind this week in a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. Now, the, the Omaha Star's only been run by women, right? Yes. Do you think that that's made a difference in the way that it's been run and how it's developed its identity over the years?
1: I think so. Um, women have and I'll probably go to the guillotine for this women have a softer touch and they feel more deeply for things and so while Mrs. Brown was not a pushover because she sold advertising like nobody's business. If she came to your business and you thought you were too busy she'd just sit right there until you got time in your day but by the same token She led the boycott of Reed's ice cream when they would not hire African-American drivers for their trucks. And she also was instrumental when I think it was called the Omaha Council Bluffs bus line. Uh, There was before Rosa Parks ever got unseated on the bus. In Omaha, the people used to pay they were picketing again because they would not hire black drivers. And so what they did was they paid their fare in pennies and the bus drivers had to count their own fares at the end of the night. Well, okay. 18 cents might not be a lot of money, but have a hundred people ride your bus and you got to count all those pennies. They quickly turned that around. So she was part of some things that made changes. She was a maverick. Um, I don't see myself as a maverick, but I'm sure that some things have changed because of the Omaha Star.
0: Oh, I I think you're a maverick. It sounds like you've done all sorts of things and pushed yourself in all kinds of directions that don't always have precedence.
1: Right, right.
0: So does does your daughter, who is becoming a, a successful journalist in her own right, her upcoming show, I think is going to be on Peacock. She's on MSNBC, CNN. Like you said, does she have any thoughts about the Omaha Star? Does she ever pitch ideas to you?
1: You know, when she was in college, she actually wrote a column for the Omaha Star. Uh, And at one point, she said, well, why don't I buy the Omaha Star and you run it? And I thought, oh, that sounds intriguing. I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, But yes, she doesn't pitch ideas to me, but we discuss things. But, you know, we do a lot of texting. And so I accept that. Um just as a side note she is getting her face on the ballroom floor at the Omaha Press Club in the month of February and that's very exciting and she they asked her to pick people to roast her and to pick <laughs> an MC and I'm like really and so she asked me well who do you think and I gave her some names and she went with some of them some of them she didn't but I said well what about your MC she said well you of course and I said what and she said cuz you know all the stories i'm flattered by that because at the point where she is in her life she could have chosen anyone and they would have said yes
0: yeah see you're you're such a maverick you're such a rock star i'm glad i'm glad we're bringing this out for people it's not going to be ambiguous okay, at all okay well
1: <laughs> if you say so i i okay
0: uh well, so I mean, it's interesting that she you both you and your daughter have talked about running the Omaha star before you said that story earlier about looking out the window right and sort of thinking, "I'm going to run that one day." So I mean, yeah. maybe it's not so unusual or not so unsurprising that it ended up happening. I mean, do you feel like this was always where you were sort of meant to end up?
1: Well, I feel that way now. You know, um, manifestation is real. And I guess I consider myself having manifested this job for myself, unknowingly. But I did, because when I was asked at first, I was like, "Oh no, uh-uh," <laughs> and then I was kind of hesitant. And then when they said, "Okay, here's the keys," I thought, "Uh, wait a minute," because there was no. What do they call it now? Onboarding for this. It it. There was no onboarding. The paper comes out in two weeks. And these are the people that you call that print the paper. And we usually do this many and have at it.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that, that, that's been your history, though, right? Is it's always been all of your entrepreneurial uh, efforts have led you to something where it's like you probably don't really know how to get there. There's not necessarily a lot of onboarding, but you you trust yourself to figure it out. And it seems to work out pretty well for the most part.
1: Yes, so far it has it has done me well. You're right. <laughs> and I guess as I look back, yeah, that's true. I've done a lot of things, been a lot of places, met a lot of people, and it's always worked out. So uh the story continues.
0: I'm glad that we yeah, I mean it's it's a good news story the for a good news philosophy of the star. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's something that people should know about. I think a lot of people obviously do. It's a big deal in Omaha. And I'm happy to be able to sort of spread the legacy a little bit further by talking to you today. So is there anything else I can plug for the Omaha Star? Anything? I don't know if you have, like, events or upcoming social media things you want people to tune into. Or is there any, anywhere I can direct always. eyeballs?
1: There's always something. Um, one of the things is that soon and very soon I'll be starting a podcast. Uh, T.D. Sanders reports and it'll be about conversations kind of like what we're doing today. I talked to a lady today her father will be 100 years old in April and we talked about all the stories that he knows. Um, I want to capture some of that. I want to lay those tracks down so that in the future people can look back Um, the junior journalism program and our archiving project and we do scholarships. And all of that is done under the auspices of the Mildred D. Brown Memorial Study Center, which is a 501c3 organization. And the Omaha Star is a program of the study center. Um, If you didn't know, the building that we are in is a historic building. And so one of the things that we we just purchased the building uh, from the Omaha Economic Development Corporation. They took up the mantle of the building when um, it could not be supported by what was going on in the building. And one of my goals was to buy it back. I think you need to own where you live. And now we do. And so with that being said, um I have been talking to the National Trust and some entities on a federal level that can help us refurbish what is here. And at one time, I would like to see Mrs. Brown's living quarters be made into a museum type of space um, as an homage to black females in journalism. And just as a side note, uh, Kathy Hughes, who is, owns Radio One TV One, she started at the Omaha Star and uh, is now in Washington, D.C. And the Howard University School of Journalism or Communications is named after her. And she is still living. And she worked right here. And she, in her time in Washington, D.C., actually ran a radio station and lived in that radio station. And I would like to think that she got that idea from Mrs. Brown. I don't live here and I don't plan on it, but yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I love all of the things that you're doing. I appreciate it. I think Omaha is indisputably better off with your legacy that you are leaving and the legacy that you are inhabiting. So I just want to say thank you so much for talking to me and letting me, letting me get to know you a little bit better today, Terry.
1: And I want to thank you, Tom and Courtney, for um, reaching out and allowing me to tell the story. Being a PR person, to me, the most important thing is to tell the story and tell it again and again and again. Because you never know who hears it.
0: It's been so great. So thank you so much again.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Riverside Chats is a production of KIOS 915 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowitz. Remember, you can find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock.